All right, episode 64 of the Odd G's podcast. Harry Mays, Jason Martinez. We'll have our special guest, Brian Boosh. Boosh. <laughs> Coming up in a couple minutes from South Florida. He's uh, doing the cup final. Harry and I were just talking, and I, I couldn't get to the, you know, about go live button quick enough because we were started doing the show before the show. Right. Well, I was singing, too, when you, when you brought me on, actually, because you, yeah. you're always playing music uh in your studio when when this starts and i log in and and i'm sort of sitting there in the bullpen or in the green room if you will before i'm a lot before you fully fully bring me on and i can hear the music that you're playing usually it's something by tool or metallica or something really Quite heavy often. Yeah. but today it was in, it was my speed it was yacht rock radio and you had looking glass or the looking glass and the classic brandy yeah which I know every word. I even knew when it was recorded, where the band was from, uh, a, a similar song by another band. And when that came out, talking about King Harvest and Dancing in the Moonlight. I mean, this, this is right in my wheelhouse, Martitas. Yeah, and you you dumped. You yes. did a news dump of Brandy and Looking Glass knowledge <laughs> right here uh, in the pre-show. Now, the reason, let me ask you first, the reason yeah. why, you know, like we do it on this platform called StreamYard, and when everybody logs in, they're like backstage, if you will, right? Until I bring them onto the screen. So I always have a little music playing. So when people come to my waiting room, you know, at my office here online, right. my virtual studio office, I, I figure I could at least dignify them with a little entertainment to feel welcome and know that their audio's working and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that a good move by me, huh? Uh, it's, it's a great move by you. Uh, I think you're the only one that does it uh, yeah. with whom I work with. Uh, but I love how you can show the video, too, here, because we have Mr. Lurie, who's the lead singer and the founder, I believe, of The Looking Glass. Look mm-hmm. at the shirt, how he's got the shirt oh. tied. I mean, how great of a look is that? No belt. Yep. And he's got the shirt tied at the bottom, like my wife does. My wife does that with her shirts. Yeah, that's what Daisy Duke would do with a shirt, Harry. Right. My, my <laughs> wife doesn't have it. I wish my wife would have it open like that as much yeah. as, as Mr. Lurie. But because um, I think that's a good look for a woman, mm-hmm. not for Mr. Lurie. This guy, he looks to me like a mixture of Alice Cooper and Spike Eskin. I was thinking Alice Cooper. No <laughs> doubt. No doubt about it. Yeah. <laughs> I think earlier in the video, when you see him, okay, let me see, I'll go back. Let's just... <laughs> A hundred look at, look how day. ugly that fucker is. Oh, huh? I know, but I, that's what that's what you looked like in the seventies when you were a rock. Yeah, his eyes are all droopy. Yeah. Oh my goodness. He may make I mean, a top ten list of ugliest singers in rock history. <laughs> he might. Not everybody looked like the Bee Gees. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Barry Gibb. You're right. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Andy he, Gibb. He, I remember, remember Andy Gibb, the youngest brother. Yeah, he was the one that quit. He was, didn't. He yeah, was but he, well, he 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 died too. I mean, all I think all he did was cocaine and and drink vodka, and um, he was like on the cover of all those Teen Beat, Tiger Beat, Sixteen, all those magazines that were really yeah. popular when Heart I was Bob a kid. Yeah, unbelievable. I mean. This guy, Ellie Lurie, not Jeff Lurie. No, I don't know. He, I don't think they're related either. Um, he, he may make the list, but at the top of that list, like we don't even put this guy so ugly on the on the list. He just 
his it's his namesake list, and that would be the one and only Tom Petty here. Ah, you think uh, he's, he's a great <laughs> musician? Everything I know, he's not that ugly. Oh, hair, he just has big kind. teeth. Big teeth. I mean, yeah. he, he looks like he got hit in the face with a sledgehammer. Oh my god! <laughs> now you're eyes. thinking of you're thinking of Jake Voracek. Well, yeah, when you're talking about <laughs> hockey players, yeah, I mean, there's a few beauties there. Oh yeah. Oh, Zabanajad, Zabinajad, or whatever for the Rangers. Oh yeah, he looks oh. Neanderthal. Oh. <laughs> Mika, the Finn Harry. Is that? <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah. So, and we had a Finn on the show last week. We did. David, big guess here, David. You sicking in? What a pain in the ass it was to, pick, to keep spelling his name and all the promotion I was putting. Oh, in. I know. Oh man, I'm Copy lucky. I, I have that in my phone, like him and my phone, so much. I guess that whenever I start to type the first two letters, it automatically pulls it up. So, oh, yeah, autofill. I don't have to do that. You yeah. got the autofill with you sicking and added. Yes, you sicking and added. <laughs> you, you know the funny thing about my phone is every time I try to type heart, like for Carter Hart. Mm-hmm. It changes it to ha. Oh, it does. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it's um, crazy. So, uh, yeah, Brian Boucher is going to join us in uh, just a couple minutes. We'll talk to Bush about the Cup final, obviously about what happened yesterday with the Flyers, and uh, yeah. overall, won't see him no more. No, how um, about that, Danny Briere making a big move right out of the gate. Yeah, that's that's what you call a big stones move too. Like it's a complicated three team trade. Some retention for LA, the third team. Some they took on some salary dump. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like an NBA we'll deal. We'll send you this, you send us that. Right, it was kind of like an NBA deal. Yeah, it was. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Complicated. You know, had Danny not gone back to school at the Wharton School of Business, Harry, and get the MBA executive MBA program, he would not have been able to pull that off. That's By right. The way, Wharton, yeah. you should advertise in this podcast. No, Harry and I could not it. get into Wharton. No, we could not. <laughs> I can only drive by it. That's about it. Uh, but we got a lot to talk about uh, today. There was a, I, I sent you this story. Uh, we'll get into it after uh, we speak with Boosh. But the, uh, the Nevada sex worker that retired at the age of 76. Yeah. I you remember that. me sending that the to claim 54, is bullshit, though. 54 years in the business. Jesus. We'll get into that. I oh. know Boosh doesn't want to be connected to that, so I'm not going to start. Yeah, with that, we'll just tease it. There is something that I sent you to that I want to ask Boosh about. Oh, yeah, the sports list, like the most difficult sports. Yeah, I think it was was the ESPN that put that out. Harry, was that they ranked the degree of difficulty for 60 different sports from hardest to easiest? Yeah, and I think that's interesting because the the one that came in number one, and we'll discuss this a little bit, I want to ask Boosh about it was actually boxing. Hockey came in number two, so naturally I was outraged. Oh, yeah, outraged? You should be happy. Number two out of 60? Yeah, well, number 10 was rodeo steer, rodeo steering or something. But I imagine that'd be hard as shit, trying yeah. to corral a big old bull. <laughs> yeah, I tried not... to corral a few of my college days, Harry, late night. <laughs> rodeo steer wrestling. Yes, you're yeah, correct. Yeah. I think it's like in the top uh, 15 or so. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get to him right now, Harry. He is joining us uh, on the road because he's covering the Stanley Cup final, doing national radio. He is a former NHL goaltender, a good guy. He's got a son in the NHL. Ten, uh, Tyler was the 10th overall pick of the Ottawa Senators. The pride of Woonsocket, Rhode Island. It is Brian Boucher. Boosh! What's going on, Jason? How you been? 
I mean, dude, he's not showing the hair, hair. I know. He's got some of the best hair in the biz. Yeah, and he's got a flat brim hat. To, there it is. There, there it is. is. That's good lettuce right there. <laughs> Boost, did you ever go through the NH? I think there's always a phase, phase with young NHLers where they all grow this big flow. And then when they start to mature, they tighten that shit up. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, when I was uh, in the probably in the minors when I was playing for the fans, I think I came up my first year. I had I had a lot of long hair in the back, but I hated it. Tail. Yeah, yeah, I hated it. I cut it right after that uh, when I decided I needed to grow up a little bit, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who was the, who was the goaltender of you know, like back in history that you thought might have had the greatest head of hair? Because I I don't remember the hair on goaltenders like I do other players oh i just remember i remember uh eddie belfour when he mm -hmm. played for the hawks uh he first of all his mask was unbelievable eddie the eagle that eagle mask that oh he yeah had. and then he had the long look the long curly hair coming out the back and he had his jersey tucked in in the back he had like his style was unbelievable i just remember like you know the long hair and you know i just he was awesome you know he had uh, a proper mullet yeah it was a mullet yeah yeah i don't know how it was I don't know how it was up top, but in the back, coming out the back of the mask, I thought it was it was awesome. Oh, it was a he party in the back, but business up front. <laughs> he played for the Stars, too, for a while, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. him with Dallas. Yeah, he played with just about everybody. He, Toronto. Was, did, did you ever have any dealings with him, Boosh? Because he was one of the most intense guys ever. Um, yeah, no. No, <clears throat> no. I never – I don't even think I've met him, to be honest with you. Um, and probably played against him – I don't know, maybe a handful to maybe 10 times. Uh, I, he, he finished up, he would have finished up in Florida, I believe. Right. I think he, uh, mm -hmm. Toronto. And then I think he went to Florida. He bounced around a little bit there at the end, but he was a heck of a competitor. That's for sure. Well, oh, speaking yeah. of Florida, I know they're up against it now down Oh two heading home here in the, in the cup finals. But since they were down three to one to the Boston Bruins in the, in round one, they have been on an incredible run. How do you sort of, uh, summarize what the Panthers have done here in the playoffs. Yeah, it's a bit of a Cinderella story, really. I mean, kind of reminds me of the team that I played on in 2010 with the Flyers. I, I think expectations for that team uh, to start the year were high. Uh, and I remember in, uh, for us with the Flyers, it was high because we had we had picked up uh, Chris Pronger in the offseason leading into that, that year. And um, you know, we had a pretty good team with Richards and Carter, Gagne, Briere, Hartnell. Like we, you know, the expectations were high. Yet we were, we were, we were stumbling along that whole season. Just couldn't get our, couldn't get our acts together. And 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 then we got in the last day of the regular season, and you know, we go to the Stanley Cup final. So I think for Florida, same type of thing. They were stumbling along and dealing with some injuries. New coach trying to figure out how they're gonna. Um, you know, get you know the, the idea of what they were doing when they made the coaching change and fired Andrew Burnett and hired Paul Maurice was that they wanted to play a style that was more conducive to playoff hockey. And uh, you know, they were a team that the year prior they just outscored their problems. I mean, they scored over four goals a game, and they were fun to watch. But it, it didn't it didn't turn out to be the way you need to play come playoff time. And uh, so they made the change, and they really had a tough time figuring it out. And but they figured it out at the end of the year. Uh, Alex Lyon, who filled in for um, an ill Sergei Bobrovsky, did a great job. And it just goes to show you that timing is everything sometimes. I mean, you just got to play well at the right time of year to get in. But now for Florida, the, the tough part is that they, with a 10-day layoff in between series, um, 
they've had a tough time getting their game back up to speed where it needs to be. And that can be difficult sometimes when, when you, when you take a 10 day break, it's just hard to get back on that wave uh, and, and play the way you were playing before. And I feel like in the first, you know, I thought game one, they were good and probably deserved a, t- a better fate in that game. They were in it, even though they lost five, two in game two, they were blown out of the water. So, mm-hmm. you know, they've got to find a way to, catch this moving train and, uh, and and get one here in game three. And uh, to me, uh, an absolute must win for them. Yeah. I got a text from Harry in that game too, saying that Vegas is destroyed in Florida. Yeah. You know, the thing is, Bush is the crazy part about this with Florida in the final is there was a game on April 11th, last week of the regular season, Tuesday night at PPG Paints Arena in Pittsburgh, where the Pittsburgh Penguins lost five to two to the mm-hmm. lowly Blackhawks. And what that set in motion, that innocuous game of a one of 82 set in motion, the Penguins not to make it, Hextall and Burke to get fired. And then Florida backs in mm-hmm. and they kick the crap out of Toronto in five in round two. That causes their GM to get fired. He ends up in Pittsburgh because Chicago ends up at the third worst record because they won that game. They get Bedard. <laughs> like there's all these trickle downs from April 11th in Pittsburgh. And you see it in the cup final, but you know, when you talk about it with Florida, like it seems to me like they're trying to manufacture energy and just be insanely physical. Is the series a bit of a throwback in the physicality that's going on? Because it, I mean, Kachuk, when he's on the ice, you better have your head up because he will punish you. It doesn't matter if you're Eichel or whoever. Um, And he's just such a throwback player. Feels like it. I mean, um, I really enjoy that style of hockey. Um, I think it's entertaining. Uh, it's it's the it's I think it's the one thing that's lost in the regular season. You just don't see a lot of it anymore, right? Uh, games like this. I mean, we 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 tout the speed and skill of these guys now in this league, and and it's great. It's you know, don't get me wrong, I like seeing that. But come playoffs, I mean, I love seeing a a, a physical uh, punishing style of hockey. And that hit by Kachuk was clean. I mean. Michael mm-hmm. admitted to it. He stumbled. He saw him coming at the last minute. Fortunately for him, he's able to get his, his head out of the way because he has those neck issues. But uh, Vegas is a throwback team, too. I mean, you look at their defense. I mean, they're big. Uh, they're physical. Uh, their fourth line can, you know, is, you know, physical as well. But on top of that, they're, they can skate and they're mobile. That's the modern side of what, what they are. You know, maybe in, in the old days, some of those big guys that were, were punishing guys, they couldn't move all that well, you know? So, you know, they had to really go out of their way to try and get somebody or you had to be in the wrong spot to get, to get killed. But these guys now, I mean, the, the back end for Vegas, they're mobile, they're big, they can, they can get in shooting lanes and they play it. They're, 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 they're not backing down. I feel like for Florida, you know, like you mentioned it, they were going out of their way to manufacture this stuff. I think they had to do that after a 10 day mm-hmm. layoff. You know, it's important that, you know, you get engaged early. And you. so that means you may have to go out of your way to find some of the confrontations to kind of, you know, give you a little smelling salts to, to wake up and, and get into the series and get that get that hatred going. But in saying that, I think in game one, they, they, they lost control. And now I think they, you know, what they've got to do is they've got to find a way to play whistle to whistle. Uh, the, the penalty by Lomberg. Uh, in the first period, like that's a bad penalty. That's a dumb yeah. penalty. You don't need to take that. You know what I mean? And and he ended up paying the price for it, right? They score on that on that power play march those scores. And then same thing with Montour. Montour's engaged with Duclair uh, on the wall. There's no reason to go in there and 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 finish him, you know, high, you know, with that hit. So to me, uh, I get it. You know, maybe you want to you want to you want to try and 
play that physical style, but you also got to understand your opponent in Vegas, one of the most disciplined teams we've seen in a long time. They don't, they just don't take penalties and they don't retaliate. So I think for, for Florida, they got to do more of what Kachuk did on Eichel and leave it there. You know, like just if, if you smoke a guy like that, get out of there. Don't even, don't even, let them chase you around trying to get you back. Maybe you're going to suck them in to taking a penalty, but uh, you know, Hard, easier said than done. I mean, I think when you get frustrated, you, you know, sometimes the emotions get the best of you. Yeah. yeah, you brought up the fourth line. I mean, they are so deep, this Vegas team. I think nine different guys have scored goals in these first two games. That's that's <laughs> remarkable. But Jason and I have been going back and forth with this over the last couple of weeks. I think there's something to this where these teams with no state tax, you know, are able to offer, you know, players, you know, different kind of money and they're able to build that depth. You buy into that? Um, I don't know if that's, yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's the reason. I never really thought of it that way. Um, you can pay a player less money and they bring home more Bush. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess, but I, I think it's just, uh, I think it's just good, good scout and, you know, you know, personally, I mean, uh, you know, you get a player that, uh, that can skate and can play, uh, not every team can have that guy that can be effective that way. You know what I mean? Like you've got to build your team to have an identity. Um, and this, this league is a copycat league, so everybody's going to try and find a fourth line that, like Nick Waugh and Keegan Colazar and, and Will Carey. Like, it's a good line. Like, you know, Carey plays – he plays hard. He plays physical, but he can – he's got pretty good skill too. Colazar too. These guys can skate. So, if you can skate and, and you are physical, you're going to be able to catch people and, and be able to kind of play that style of hockey. But, yeah, I don't know if it has to do with maybe the fact that you can offer them less and get more out of them. I never, never thought of it from the state tax point of view. I just, I just think it's just good scouting and good uh, team uh, construction. You know that that you find and identify players that play a certain way that, uh, and you get those guys that are accepting of their roles. And uh, you know, if you get them at the right time in their career, where they, you know, where they're a little bit younger, they're going to be cheaper. It's when they now have success in a Stanley Cup run and win a Stanley Cup is when perhaps they're going to get a, a bigger payday and, um, you know, and then maybe they're going to have to find the next Will Carrier or the next Keegan Colazar. So when you have them, it's just you hope you can strike and, and win the cup uh, when you have them and, and they're a little bit cheaper. With that perfect mix. You know, the, it's funny because, like, the regular season is for the analytics community. The postseason, it's guys that, you know, end up being difference makers that are, like, anti-analytics. I know Larry Brown, the four Sixers coach, was on Mikey Miss's podcast yesterday. And he's had this quote about analytics. He said, analytics are how a drunk uses a lamppost for support, not illumination. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I love that. that is great. That's, that is great. Yeah. <laughs> and I imagine he delivered it like in the sleepiest tone oh, on yeah. planet yeah. Earth. But he, yeah. I love that guy. Um, yeah. Boosh, the save that Aiden Hill makes in game one. Against the grain, a double below the slot line pass. His body is flowing way out of the net, and he just reverses the paddle gets the heel on it on Nick Cousins. That save was unbelievable. It, it was very Braden Holpe that won back when yeah. the Caps won the Cup. You know, talk about the goaltender and what he feels like to go through that and make that save and then what it does to the goalie after he makes that save. He is chesty. Yeah, it is it's uh it, it's one of those moments where you know that's the the thrill of being a goaltender is like you just you want to have an effect on a game and you can be the last line of defense and you can, you can have such an impact uh, with a save like that. You know, that's, that's what, that's what's so fun about it. Uh, but truthfully, I mean, it, it, in a lot of ways, it's a lucky save. I mean, because his footwork, he got all 
crossed up. I mean, they, they changed sides two times on that play. So it's hard. I mean, you go from your left to your right and then back from your right to your left. And then it goes back. You know what I mean? So the most spectacular saves are usually the goalie screwing up beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, (laughs) his footwork was, was, was poor there. And then it's just desperation at that point. You, you you know, you stick your arm out, your stick and, and you hope for the best. That's really what it is. And, uh, you know, for cousins, uh, boy, he had two whacks at it. You know, it's not only the save that he made, but Petrangelo after got a stick on it and got it out of harm's way. So two plays by Hill and Petrangelo. And sometimes, those are the moments that, that, you know, change everything. You know, if Cousins scores there, and they hit two posts in that game as well, uh, Barkov down the left wing and then Montour from the point, you know, if any of those posts go in plus the Cousins goal, maybe game one's an entirely different story. That's why I say game one I thought was a lot closer than it appeared. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's just one of those moments. And for Aiden Hill, I mean, since he came in for Lauren Brassois in the Edmonton series, I, I – constantly have been saying that the reason why he's a story is because he's not a story he plays on a team where they they insulate him well they keep stuff to the outside they'll give up those shots from the outside but they will they will clean up the loose change and you don't get very many second and third chances and it's a it's a system that works very well for a goaltender and but so i wasn't giving them much credit you know earlier but now after games one and two I feel like there were moments in these games where if not for Aiden Hill, things could have been totally different. So I give him full marks for what he's done here through games one and two. Game one could have gone totally different if he doesn't make that save. And in game two, there was a stretch where it was still, I think the score was still, might have been two nothing. Yeah. And they had, Florida had, Florida had a power play at the end of the first and he, and he, he came out, so it was one nothing and he came up big. Uh, I think they had six shots on goal, and I thought he was great. So full marks to Aiden Hill. Um, you know, hadn't played in two months when he came into that series against Edmonton, and you shut down. You know, you shut down McDavid and Drysaddle. Come on, I mean that that's amazing stuff. Harry, yeah. you saw the Aiden Hill save. I'm going to put this save up against it. You tell me better save uh, in NHL history. All right, you ready? Mm-hmm. So you know the Aiden Hill save, but how about this save right here? From our guest right here on the program. Let's go to it. Oh, and he loses the bucket. And he loses the bucket. Now I got to go this one, man. That's on oh, Patrick Elias. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. Did you hear, you hear Jonesy? Uh, yep. You can hear the, 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 the live mic there at ice level. <laughs> He, he turns it over. He throws out an F-bomb. <laughs> so watch it again, Harry. As the puck's going right around the red line, you hear an F-bomb, and that is Jonesy uh-huh. because he's That's way Jonesy. behind the play. <laughs> that is spectacular. Is that great or what? I missed that the first time. That's <laughs> awesome. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, looking at the goaltending on the other side, uh, Boosh, you know, uh, I imagine they – I don't know if it's been a- announced yet, but I imagine they go back to Bobrovsky for – uh, game three, even though he was pulled, but he's having a lot of trouble with screens. What does Florida have to do uh, to help out their goaltender going forward? Yeah, I mean, part of, you know, part of the screens is like, you know, the goalie's got to do, you know, a job there too. I mean, I, I don't want, I never wanted my D-man engaging with the, the, the opposition player in front of me because now that's two bodies I got to look around. So it, it can create more problems. So Bob's got to look, do a better job of, you know, 
if if Mark like on March so going power play, you know, if if Stone's there, okay, I know he's there. I got to find a way to look above him and look around him, right? Uh, so part of it's on Bob. Hmm. Uh, the other part though is that I think Florida needs to do a better job if they're in the shooting lane, block the puck, block the shot. Like you've got, you, it's not good enough just to kind of be there. Like this is the Stanley Cup final. You, you know, you need blocks. Look at Vegas; they block shots. You know what I mean? Not blocking team in the league. Yeah, I mean they block shots. So if you're there, block it. You know, um, you know, like the one goal that White Cloud scored uh, in Game One. Duclair got caught down low. Is a you know they they got in an odd man rush situation. He got stuck behind the goal line, and then the puck went to the point, and he didn't get out enough. He got caught in no man's land. He ended up screening his goalie there. Like Duclair, maybe he's tired late in the shift, but he's got to get out there. He's got to get out there and get in the shooting lane. It's not good enough just to sit back and hope. You know, you're screening your goaltender. So I think they, you know, they look. They that's the problem though. When you when you sit for ten days, that's the area of the game where uh, your momentum is lost. Maybe that extra um, uh, effort that you give. Uh, it's a detail. It, it's a detail. It's just a little off. Yep. You know what I mean? And they've got to find a way to to get engaged again and make sure that they're they're blocking shots, making it hard for Vegas to get pucks through. But Bob has to do a job too. It's not just on everybody else. He's got to find a way to look through those that that screen in front and make the saves. I thought I, in game one I thought he was good. Game two, I'm not going to be totally pinning on him because it's not it's not it's just he's he's uh, unfortunately the guy that takes it on the chin. Um, but he's got to play a role too in, in in looking past some of those screens. And we get a message here from uh, uh, Ryan Mulhern says Bush and Mert love it. Oh Molly, <laughs> watching on Mully. the uh, program today. <laughs> Molly, yeah. He wasn't Molly, a bad little player. Yeah, he, little. he he uh, he's he's one of those guys. He never blocked a shot. He doesn't block shots either. Uh, in the skate that we have on Thursday nights there in uh, in Newport. <laughs> no, uh, he didn't. He was t- taking a lot of the shots. Uh, you play beer league with Molly. I I grew up playing with him at Malvern and in club hockey and everything. And he got a few games in the NHL. So uh, oh yeah. Yeah, yep. went to Brown, pride of Brown University. I think he's in their hockey hall of fame up there at Brown. Yep, so. yep. he's got some some real good uh, American League stories too. So yeah, he was a yeah, he played, was a good player in the American League. Should have kept playing. I, I hope you he's know? he's in better shape than his brother. I played with his brother Robbie recently, and boy, he looks like hell. <laughs> but anyway, I think we all look, we all look like hell these days. Come yeah, on, comparatively <laughs> speaking. Oh, look at look at you know he goes love the shirt. I'm a better goalie that. That Boosh these days is he getting net? Does does Molly get net Boosh? I know you he skate does. out at times. He does, yeah. That's where I. That's when I start to light it up when he's in goal. He can't. Oh go yeah. Down. He, he, oh, he's old school. He stands up the whole time because he can't get back yeah. up. Can't get back up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we had um, another we, question in here from Joey B uh, regarding Bedard. Obviously selected number one by the Blackhawks. Uh, what? How high is his ceiling? And are the is Chicago the right spot for him? Um. I mean, I, I'm, I've watched him play probably 10 times, you know, and I thought if you look at what he did in the World Juniors, if that's any barometer of what, you know, compared to other guys, his numbers are astounding compared to some of the best players that have played uh, for Team Canada. So I, I think he's I, I think he's a generational talent. Now, the only thing I'm a little nervous about is his size. I mean, he is he is a smaller guy and I don't you know, as a center, like that could be a little bit difficult at the NHL level. So that's my only like hiccup, maybe question mark. I wonder, you know, but, uh, man, he's quick. He's sturdy. He's unbelievable. Release. And he's, uh, he's, he's electric and, you know, 
for you know looks like he's going to be a generational talent a guy that's going to put up north of 100 points uh, mm-hmm. on a consistent basis that that's what i see um but i i'm not going to sit here and pretend that i'm a I'm a, I'm an amateur scout and can, you know, predict the future. It just that just looking at what he did, the world juniors, it seems like he's got a, a very high ceiling. And is, is Chicago the best place for him? Probably going to be, uh, you know, a little bit difficult at the start because they're, they're not going to be a playoff team. But now that you get Bedard, uh, n- now you can attract some free agents there. They're going to have money to spend. Chicago's a great city to play in. Great history there with the recent uh, three Stanley Cups here. Um it's a great place. It's not like you're you're getting drafted and you're going. To, you know, I'm, I hate saying this, but like Arizona, where you know this team is playing at a co- college rank, and the future of them is in you know in flux. This is a great city, uh, a great market. He's going to be marketable there. It's going to be a win-win for everybody. That, that's it. in Arizona when Bush was there, Harry. He's got the NHL record; they'll never be broken. How many What's minutes, that? Bush? Uh, 332 minutes and one second, but who's counting, you know? Yep. I've yeah. shut out hockey. I think you guys won wow. 17 games that year and you won five straight and didn't give up. A goal. <laughs> did we win 17? No way. Oh my yeah. God. I didn't know that. I mean, yeah, we, did, were bad. we were you set bad. that record behind a dog shit team. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we saw the clip and we heard the F-bomb from Jonesy as uh, Elias is going up the ice. Um, what are your thoughts on the front office? You and I have spoken about it offline, but. You know, you obviously know Jonesy very well from all your years. You know uh, Danny very well. They were teammates of yours, and you ran in pretty close contact with those guys. You know, the move that happens yesterday, Pro Rolf, not a chalk move to make your first one. By the way, he does it during the cup final, you know, and makes this three-team trade. What are your thoughts on Danny and Jonesy as uh, running the front office for the Flyers? Well, Danny, I'll start with Danny. Danny, um, you know, a great player and uh, a smart a smart guy and you know like i think about his career and everybody just thinks like oh you know here he was this you know top player you know in buffalo and in in philly but what people don't realize is that this guy when he was drafted first round i think he was 96 a year after me he um you know he really struggled out of the gate in phoenix he was waived he was waived and you know th- like i guess the point that i'm going to make here is like i just respect guys that have had to go through it and they've had to eat it a little bit, you know, and you, and you get through on the other side, you show a resilience to you. So like, I have, I have immense respect for, uh, for, for Danny Briere. And then, you know, for, then to turn into the player that he turned into uh, a really, really good NHL player that, uh, that impacted, uh, you know, the teams he played on. So, and, and, and a smart guy, like he always, you could always tell he was studying players systems uh, you know, what other teams were doing, how we could get better. He always, you know, he was quiet, but he he had an opinion. If you talk to him, you know, you could tell that there was a, a real good hockey mind there. So not surprised that he's in this position. I think it's great. And as far as Jonesy's concerned, um, he might be the, the the smartest hockey guy I've ever met. And he comes across as this guy that's kind of like, ah, uh, oh, shucks, you know, I know, he plays it off like he's not really paying attention. But this guy is a savant. And I, I, I've worked with him uh, at NBC. Uh, I've seen him in the studio. This guy could watch four games at the same time, break down the four games at the, simultaneously, build packages and, you know, set everything up. And a great teammate would hand them off to other guys in the studio so that they could look like, you know, they were the geniuses when, when in fact, he was the guy that was doing it all. Um, and a, just he reads people well. 
He knows what it takes to build uh, a team uh, because he's watched it for several years as an analyst now, what, two decades? And uh, to me, it's a great hire. I, I just think they're, I think Jonesy's going to be a great leader up at the top. I think Danny's a smart guy. And look, I mean, the trade they made yesterday, this is this is the start of what they want to do. Uh, and and Danny making making his mark. And, uh, you know, they've got to make changes. This team has to, has to find a way to kind of reshuffle the deck. And it's an important franchise for the National Hockey League. And um, when the Flyers are relevant, it's good for everybody. And my hope is that they can get this thing turned around here uh, in short order. Wow. High praise. Love it. Jason, why don't you ask him about that list? All right. So, Bush, I got this list uh, that I found on social media. ESPN did a ranking of the top 60 uh, sports according to difficulty. So they have all these different categories that they kind of go through. Uh, you know, uh, endurance, you know, just all the different elements of what can go into, you know, making a sport difficult. So mm -hmm. like they have like, I think like nine different categories and they, then they do like a, an aggregated score of all of it, you know, reflexes, nerve durability, all that stuff, strength, the, power, speed, agility, yeah. flexibility, all that. Where's hockey? Where nah. do you think hockey would come in in, th in the 60 sports? Uh, where should it come in, Boosh? And, and don't even hesitate with your answer. Stop it's, with this building it's, it's, of drama. It's got to be top five. I mean, just Two. the idea to skate is a, a it's three sports that, in one. Yeah, it's. A, I mean, not it, people can walk, people can run, but people can't skate. Like it's just some and another skill that you got to learn to just even participate in the sport. And you can skate faster than you can run, and you can also stop moving your legs when you're skating really fast and hit somebody into a wall that doesn't right. move. Right. <laughs> um, boxing was number one. You ever do any boxing training, Boosh? Uh, uh, no, I, I can't say that I have, but I would see that as being really difficult. I mean, the, what, how long is there rest in between rounds? Was it 90 what? seconds? Two is minutes? It 90? I'm not I mean, sure. Look, and their rounds are what, three minutes? Yeah. I think three minutes, yeah. Yeah, so do something for three minutes at... at at a high pace and see if your 90 second rest and you can recover and do it again at the same pace you did. You know, that's, that's a tough, that's a tough sport. Fight for your uh, and life. Then, for and then never minutes. mind, never mind. You can get your head kicked in, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah, why is UFC not on here? Howard? Did you see that anywhere? Uh, MMA has got to be on here somewhere. Yeah, that's got to be that. Think about that. That should be number one, but honestly, yeah, that you can get choked out. That way you can yeah. get kicked. Arm barred. Martial, martial arts is, sixth on the list after wrestling but i think that's like judo and stuff like re like wrestling's brutal as well and we're not talking about like wwe like yeah 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 you know, i've never, Greco never Roman wrestling. wrestling. <laughs> where's hockey two number two ahead of okay, football good. basketball and wrestling oh good i mean i thought you're gonna t i thought you're gonna tell me it was like something like number number 15 or something like that and i was gonna go wild but yeah i mean that's that's appropriate now, 15 is rodeo steer wrestling. The hell is that? <laughs> That's where you get off the horse and you got to you know, put the, you gotta rope, rope the on calf. The oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can tell I'm not from out west. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> us, oh. us, us boys in Rhode Island, we don't, we don't, uh, we don't handle the, the, the horses and cattle that much, you know? I think I think the number eleven one may be one of the most difficult to water polo. You're treading water and oh, yeah. yeah, that's so much strength that like stay up and with your lower body oh. and upper body. 
Mm-hmm. Those dudes can hum it too. Yeah, you should be a goalie great. in water polo, Boosh. Oh, I need to you play that, that in that three 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 foot of water is where I I would play water polo. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> oh, we had. I'll tell you a funny story about you know because you have to tread water there, right? Um, when I was uh, my rookie year, maybe my second year in the NHL, I was injured and. Uh, Jimmy McCross and the uh, the athletic trainer uh, would have us do rehab, and we'd go to a pool. And it was me, Rick Tockett, Dan McGillis, Luke Richardson. We were all injured at the same time, so we go wow. to the pool and do some pool stuff. And we used to do this uh, thing where we tread water, just uh, you know, for uh, see how long you could do it for. Right? Uh, it's kind of like a competition, and you know, we sit there, we're treading water, and we sh- shoot the shit and stuff like that. But then we do it where we put a weight vest on. So it's like seal training. Yeah, yeah we, exactly. So we put a weight vest on there and we try to tread water. And I, I was trying to hang an eggs. You know, we're all competing against one another. You got tacos right at the last second. Right at the last second, I, I, I like the water is like right to my my nose. I'm like, help! And I go down. <laughs> I go down to the bottom of the pool, and uh, Jimmy goes down there. He gets the vest off. We come up, and I'm just screaming at him. I'm like, you son of a bitch! I almost died. <laughs> but. Uh, I, we we did that for like you know for rehab purposes, but you, imagine that's your sport like you're treading water the whole time trying to. No, it's crazy, but yeah. Talks doing it with one hand, like chilling out, like talking because yeah. he's all animated. He's such a machine. Uh, <laughs> that guy was a machine. He used to do he used to do like the um you know the stairs. What, what is that machine called? Stairmaster. Stairmaster. Yeah, you know where the not, it's like the gauntlet though. It's where the stairs keep coming. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's not like one of those steppers. It's like where the stairs keep coming. He would get on that thing and he'd go with like 25 pound dumbbells and he'd be like, you know, you know, like going up the, the stairs and doing like shoulder, shoulder presses. I was like, what a, what an animal. Like he, he was in great, great shape. Like, uh, he's still in great shape. If you see him, he, he's ready. Yeah. 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 Boosh, um, enjoy South Florida. Did you, did you hit him straight the other day? Did you put a good score on the card? Harry wants to know uh, if you come back to town, Where, you know. Where'd you play? Oh, uh, We played in Vegas. Uh, this place called Canyon Gate. My uh, play-by-play guy, John Allers, he set it up. Uh, it was a decent course, pretty good. Weather was great. It was like 90, 97, dry. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not play that good. Rentals, no excuse, but um, I think I shot 87, which is a really bad score for me. I got to be better wow. You know, but I haven't, truth be told, I mean, I haven't played, you know, 10 yeah. day layoff boost. You don't have the edge like the Florida Panthers right now. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got to get it going, though. I got a bunch of uh, I got a bunch of tournaments. I'm playing member guests with some buddies. I, I'm, I'm America's guest uh, this summer. I'm playing with uh, Justin Williams. Um, oh, he's a player, man. Yeah, he won the White Marsh Championship. He's at White Marsh, like right? Club. Yeah. 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 Well, he's he belongs to a club down in Raleigh, so I'm playing down there. I'm gonna be there for two, three days, playing with him before the draft, and then Wakefield. Uh, uh, what's that? Is he at Wakefield? He's at. Is it Old Chatham? I think it is. Oh, that's in Durham. Yeah, they had the U.S. Open qualifier there uh, the other day. Yeah. 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 So it's probably a go track or whatever, but yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I can't wait to can't. Yeah, he can play. Willie can play. Um, yeah, yeah I'll be there. And then I got a, another one in July back in Rhode uh, in Rhode Island, and then another one in August uh, with a buddy of mine in Rhode Island. So it's gonna be a fun summer for me. Yeah, dial in the game. Hey, Boosh, thanks stuff. for doing this, man. Enjoy the cup tonight. Yeah, right. man. Yeah, you bet, guys. Thanks for having me. There he me. is, former NHL oh. netminder Brian Boucher. Always great to get him on. Great stories. That's He's a great analyst. Time. 
He's yeah, really he good, man. Awesome job. Uh, yeah. Rick Tockett, I could just imagine Tockett at that point. Like he was so physically fake, just there, not even using the arm, not He's even phased. Like, yeah. Yeah, just not even phased. Freak. Physical uh, freak. Let's tell people about Fudge Kitchen, Harry. I will. The official sponsor of Not For Long Media and the OG's podcast, the original Fudge Kitchen, you know it, a staple of the Jersey Shore. Jersey Shore, a season is in full full effect right now. You got to go visit one of their six locations, Cape May, Wildwood, Stone Harbor, Ocean City. They make all their fudge and sweet treats right in the store. It's going to guarantee a delicious product. Stop by and let them know that Not For Long sent you. If you're not able to visit in person, it's not a problem. They're going to ship it right to you all across the USA. FudgeKitchens.com, the original Fudge Kitchen shipping fudge and sweet treats across the country. That was some great hockey breakdown, man. I got, I, I, you know, I expect that out of you. That's what you do all day. I got to give myself a a little pat on the back. I I think I hung. Oh, Harry, in that conversation, you did not come off like a fourth line plug in that conversation at all. Yeah, I wasn't a top sixer. Yeah, I was not Pat Egan. Yeah, you were a top six winger. You skated your wing very nicely. (laughs) See, your whole thing about that nobody cares about hockey now, it's all bullshit because you care about hockey probably as much as I do. Oh, no, no, that, no, that's that's not that's not true. But let's get back to this list here, because uh, ho- hockey being number two, you're outraged because you think it should be number one. Yeah. Um, two out of 60 ain't bad. I got to tell yeah. you, I'm just glad that my sport of choice, golf, came in ahead of both bowling and fishing, because those are the three sports that you can drink your face off and still participate in. How about that? Yeah, I think golf got a little short shorted here, though. It came in at 51. I think golf, it it may not be physically, you know, durability, endurance, and all that wise, brutal, yeah. although it can be, you know, on a course, walking and stuff in like that. In the heat, yeah. Yeah, but mentally, the, the, the you against the golf course element, and then if you're a tournament golfer, you against the field element. Right. I mean, the margin from the greatest player, players in the world – to the 250th player, like 0.12 of a stroke, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. that's how tight it is. But yeah, yeah and also, also the downtime in between shots where you're in with your own thoughts, you know, yep. people don't think like, I don't know if there's mental. a category where you could really quantify that, but that's there's a lot, a lot of that, uh, you know, that comes into play there, but I'm just glad we beat uh, bowling and fishing. Yeah. Well, yeah. now, Harry, the big news the other day, I mean, it came out of the blue that the Live Tour and the PGA Tour are merging just a couple of days after Phil Mickelson roasted Rory McIlroy on uh, on social media, said, you know, he'd be a perfect guy to play and live because he's too tired and stuff, but we wouldn't have him because he's too much of a pain in the ass. <laughs> Nobody would deal with his crap, but now they're they're merged. Your thoughts on the Live PGA merger, which we didn't see coming in the offing. I'm still trying to process this. I mean, my head is still spinning. You know, I did the swing it and ding it this morning, and we had Gerald Colton on, of course, uh, player, agent, attorney, extraordinaire, and uh, we were talking about you know some of the details of this stuff. And you know, I have more questions than I do opinions or answers, but I, I'm blown away by it, as everybody is. Um, you know, I think you know at, at some point you you get down to the to the to the end of the, you know, the finish line, and you're going to sit there and say, well, at least now we, we're back to having all the best players available to play in the same golf tournaments. And there's yeah. the acrimony be- between the two sides, 
you know, will will dissipate. I know that some of the guys are pissed off, you know, from the PGA tour because they feel like they missed out on on the bag. They were offered a bag and chose to stay loyal to the PGA tour because guys like Rory McIlroy and the commissioner were telling them to do so. They did it. And now they look at guys like Brooks Kepkin and you're like, well, no, wait a second. He he's got 500 playing, mil. He's been playing in the majors. Uh, he got himself a fifth major and he took the money. And, you know, what are you going to do for me? So yeah. I, well, I get be that. a penalty, right, for those guys? Yeah, I think, I, it hasn't been worked out yet. But, you know, the, you know, for re, uh, I guess, sum, submit to be, you know, back on the PGA Tour, I don't know what that's going to look like. But I imagine they're going to have to pay you know, like some sort of a fine or a, you know, a, a suspension or both or whatever. I don't know how this gets all worked out, but man, I am just still, I'm blown away. I'm stunned by it. The like timing of it, the timing of it tells me that somebody was going to break it and they didn't want it broken. They wanted to, to do it themselves. It came out on CNBC of all places. And I thought it was fake news given today's social media. You got to really be careful about retweeting yeah. stuff like this or or commenting on it because you don't know if it's real. And then when I realized it was real, I'm like, holy shit. Like, yeah. really? And Tiger That's Woods something. didn't even know about it. Rory didn't know about it. Greg Norman didn't even know about it. Who runs the, the live tour? At least he did. I don't know if he does anymore. How does but something it, like that incredible. get kept secret so much? That's, like that. that's, that's amazing. And in, in this day and age, as you yeah. like to say, that yeah. So I'm still trying to process it, but man, it's it's just it's going to overshadow this week's event easily, and probably next week's U.S. Open. But it creates a lot of buzz going into that U.S. Open just because of top of mind. No doubt about it. Yeah, no doubt about it. So yeah, that's for sure. It's going to be like an eighty-two dollar parking ticket and filing fees. One hundred and one dollars to to get back at your PGA card for those guys who jump for two hundred, five hundred million dollars to go to live. Right, right. No <laughs> doubt about I it. I think they'll be all right. Yeah, I think now, so too. Um, last thing, like Joey B puts this up here. He says, "How bad is the smoke there in Philly, South Jersey? It looks horrible from TV shot on the news." Uh, did you? I went outside last night at about mm-hmm. ten o'clock after I got done doing a bunch of radio and, and different hits on podcasts because of the trade. And I'm like, what's it's almost smelled like an electrical fire. Like when electric is burning mm-hmm. and I'm like, what did my son do something? And then I go outside to walk the dog and, and it's really smoggy. These Canadian wildfires, the smoke is affecting all down the East coast, including our area, our air quality right now in the, in the Delaware Valley is not at peak capacity. Are you smelling the wildfires there at the uh, home studio? You know, I played golf in it yesterday over at Lulu, um, and I didn't even notice it. The only reason that I knew it, the air quality was down, is because my iPhone told me so. They sent out some warning. I got a text message and, you know, all this stuff. And on the weather app and on the phone, it says air quality warning. I'm like, what's that all about? I didn't even know. Am I getting oxygen or not? Yeah, I didn't even notice it, to be honest with you. So, yeah. But I, t- I was uh, talking to one of my buddies up in Canada last night and I said to him, I said, get, get this thing under control up there. What are you guys doing up there? I, know I didn't know it was Canadian. Final. I didn't know it was Canadian. It's, uh, I think that the wildfires that are affecting us are in Ontario. Are. Oh, OK. Right. Yeah, maybe because the Leafs didn't make the, it got bounced in the playoffs in five by Florida. There you go. That's a good oh, reason. It's a good reason to burn down the forest. Yes. Uh, Joey B. Tiger Woods should be the new commissioner of the PGA Tour. I disagree. I think Davis Love would be a perfect choice. Davis and Love the third, Harry. Right? Davis Love the third. Yeah. I, um, I don't know that Tiger would even want to do something like that. He's got a lot of other stuff going on. 
you know, why, I mean, that's, that seems like a lot of aggravation for a dude with endless money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. If I got endless money, I am not looking to take on an aggravation position. No, absolutely. Absolutely not. You know what I mean? Uh, now, can you pull up this tweet that I sent you? Um, actually, Sean Brace put it up at uh, Fox Philly Gambler. Yep. I sent it here. to you. It's uh, oh, from an account called At Vegas Issues, which I didn't know about. But right. you got to pull up the picture in order to really talk about this. All right. I got the, uh, there's uh, the Nahagian tweet I sent you. Here's the one from Sean. Yeah. Move this over here, huh? Yeah. Juggling, juggling screens around here. Yeah. Um, loading. All right. Here we go. Yeah. Let me just click on the actual tweet and then let's share the, the screen here. Here we go. Uh, share screen. This program gets uh, produced as we go. Sure. So here we go. Here's the, here's the tweet from the Las Vegas issue. Would you like to read it, Harry? Yeah. Um, a Nevada sex worker retired at the age of 76 after 54 years of satisfying 500,000 clients, including four. How many? Four, four. American presidents. Your mm. thoughts. Um, that's a hell of a number. That's like 20 a day. Is it? You did the math, right? Somebody did in the, in the comments I saw calling oh, okay. bullshit on it because yeah, the, the first one, the Kingster replied at Kingster tweets and said it will require having a new client every 30 minutes for 12 hours a day, seven days a week for 54 years with no days off to reach yeah. a half a million. Well, I'm glad somebody went through the math because that's too much for me. But yeah, I when I look at these numbers, it's sort of like when when Wilt Chamberlain, you know, it was it was rumored that he had been with X amount of women or John Holmes, or whatever he was. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just like yeah, seriously. Uh, but a lot of people are saying, well, the presidents, they're, they're guessing at the presidents, and they're saying JFK, and I'm like, JFK was long deceased uh, before this woman allegedly began her illustrious career, so he's yeah. out of the picture. Um, yeah, so who, who were so, your, who were the four you thought of? Obviously Bill Clinton. We know that. Oh yeah. I, I don't, I mean, if, if this woman serviced that many people, she is obviously really good and efficient at her job, Harry. Yes. So she's probably got a reputation of like, when you go to Vegas, you got to find, you got to track her down because she's got some sort of skill set that not many people possess. Hmm. So yeah, Clinton is obvious. Yeah. And, and you think, it, what about Jimmy Carter or Reagan? I can't say Jimmy Carter, man. Jimmy Carter was a peanut farmer, huh? Yeah, I mean, come on. He was as wholesome as it gets. I don't see him uh, skipping out in Vegas, too. Could you see Reagan meeting this broad? You know, well, well. You know, (laughs) see, because, listen, he this could have happened long before he was president. Like in in, in the city, he was an actor, and then he was, what, the governor of California? Um, so I could throw Reagan in there as a, as a definite possibility. Then it gets tough though. After that, do you go Bush 41 uh, or Bush 43? Uh, I would go George, uh, 43. Me too. Walker Bush. Me too. No, Herbert Um, Walker. That was the dad. 41. Yeah. W. 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 I think was in the mix. Okay. I would put him in there too. Now who's the fourth? Because. You're only dealing with, is it Trump? Do you, is it Because she was pretty darn old by the time. Now, but that could mean Trump did it in the 80s before he was the president. Yeah, yeah. See, that's it, the it, thing. It, yeah, it doesn't quantify whether it was, were they president at the time? At the time, right. 
So that's yeah, the key I, thing. I mean, you got to go Trump. Right. I mean, I mean that seems obvious, but yeah, I, I, the four I'll say, Harry, are uh, Bill Clinton. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not have <laughs> the whole thing. Um, and then you've got George W. Bush, forty-three. Forty-three. Yep. And obviously uh, Reagan. You said Reagan, and then Trump. Trump. I agree. Yeah. Those would be my four. Yeah. I, I, Nixon. I, Lyndon. Lyndon Johnson. I don't know. Nixon. No. What about Gerald Ford, Harry? Oh, jeez, I forgot he was president. Yeah. <laughs> he was only in there for like, what, a year and a half, two years? Yeah, but but hey. he was deemed a president. He could have been out there in Vegas. Hmm. I don't know. Gerald Ford could be in that mix, too. He could be he the could. wild card here. I forgot about him, to be honest. He was actually president for three years, 74 to 77. Well, so, I mean, technically, 76 was the end of the term. 77 yeah. January is when they changed, but to Carter. Um, but yeah, he's from, I, Cal- I, from California, Rancho yeah, Mirage, California, not far from Vegas. Yeah, he was a football player at Michigan. Yeah, back in his day. Yeah, yeah, yeah he, maybe. He, yeah, the, he, but who are you booting out player. then? Who who do you who do you skip out? Um, I would probably take Reagan? out. No, the actor thing. You know, California they got in the proximity. Bush, Texas. So I would probably take out W. Really. Yeah, I don't know, man. I could see W on a on a guy's weekend before he was like anything, you know, getting a little, you know, he 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 apparently did some cocaine back in the day. I mean, he was a partier. Yeah, he was a partier. Him and Jeb, huh? <laughs> Jeb. Jeb Bush. Yeah, Jeb's. He's the life of the party. Also known as the runt of the bush litter. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh God. Oh, Joey B with a great line. I always use this. He said 500 clients as a call girl. That's like throwing a hot dog down a hallway. Oh, <laughs> oh God. Holy shit. That's great. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to get to, Harry? I'm trying to think. Is there anything? We certainly covered a lot. Do you have thoughts on the Proveroff trade? Um, well, I, I'm, I would ask you because, I mean, what did they get back? I mean, who are those guys? Is there any, any value there or is it just basically to move on from a salary? I think it's that's part of it, but I think the return was actually really good, and the three-team aspect of it made it better. So you get a 22nd overall pick in this year's first round. Okay, so you got two so, picks now in the first round. Yeah, seven and 22. Mm-hmm. Um, Pro Ross going to be a free two after not next year, two years left on his deal, and he wasn't going to resign here. Wasn't mm-hmm. happy. I don't know if he's going to resign out there in Columbus with Mike Babcock either. He's not going to be a top-pairing guy because of Warinsky. Not going to see power play time because of Warinsky. Um you were going to end up losing him eventually for nothing. And if you trade a guy with a little bit more meat on the bone, as opposed to being in the final year, you can get the kind of return that Breer got. Mm-hmm. But then also, you know, the Kings retain 30% of his money. Flyers take on a couple of dumps with Walker and Cal Peterson there and end up with a, a second round pick next year. And I, I think Danny did really well in the, in the trade. But the thing is, is, the addition of Cal Peterson, and there was a lot of lot of smoke yesterday, Harry, not wildfire smoke, regarding Carter Hart being moved as well. Wow. So ooh, that gives me a lot of anxiety. Jeez. Yeah. Wow. He finally got a goal. He's 24. I know. There's a lot of risk in trading him, dude. Yeah, I know. I don't know about that. Yeah. All right. So, Way too much hockey talk for this. Episode. We certainly met our, our uh, June quota. Yeah. But Boosh was great, man. Yeah, he, he's a great guy. Good analyst. Just yeah. Good, wholesome uh, boy from uh, Woonsocket, Rhode Island. Woonsocket. His son was a, a 
first round draft pick too, trying to make his way to the NHL. Tyler, big boy, kind of like Tom Wilson. Oh wow! Oh, he hits some guys. I'll get some messages from Boosh and oh my boy, put a guy through the glass and <laughs> he's a wrecking ball. <laughs> Beautiful. So, um, all right, let's wrap it up there. Uh, that's episode sixty-four of the Odd G's podcast. We did a solid fifty-six minutes today, so I'm proud of Man. ourselves. We're going to take the rest of the day off. Are you golfing? I'm today? exhausted. I'm exhausted. I've done two podcasts. I've had two phone calls uh, about buying a business, and I've wrote and recorded a commercial for uh, for a vodka brand. I'm done today. Wow. The yeah. Lima, when she gets home, will see a sense of accomplishment on Harry's face. Exactly right. While I'm watching the NBA. <laughs> and she's making your sandwich. Yeah, sandwich. <laughs> All right. All right, that's episode 64. Everybody leave us a five-star rating and review. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We'll talk to you next week on a brand new Odd G's podcast. Summer breeze makes me feel fine. Blowing through the jasmine in my mind.